Hey, welcome back. Michelle Sparks with you, illuminating anorexia, eating, self and body issues. Great to have your company. It's been a long time since I have recorded a podcast and there has been so much going on in the global space and a lot of what has been going on, I know, would be giving rise to a lot of anxiety and feelings of insecurity, which are so much at the heart of disordered eating and eating disorders, even without all that is going on on the global stage to amp that up. So today, I really just want to say to you, um, share with you something that I hope will bless your heart wherever you are today. I want you to know that no situation is without hope. No situation is without hope. And I can say that with confidence because I believe in the God of all hope. That he is the God of all hope. That when situations look absolutely impossible, he is the God of the impossible. There is no person, there is no situation, there is no place you may find yourself where he is not able to reach you and to fill you with his hope because he is the God of all hope. And he doesn't just give us hope, he comes with power, power to change our situation. And I don't know where this finds you today. And I don't know what you think about God and, and you know what your framework is or your understanding or your perspective. I have a, a Christ-based perspective. I believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, that he, you know, God represented himself to us in the flesh as a man, Jesus Christ, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the, of the evil one because God was with him. And he is the light of the world. So if you're in the dark, he can bring you light. He can enlighten your darkness. He really can. I know in my own life, in my own journey through anorexia and then after that into this awful space of what I would have called back then non-purging bulimia. It was bulimia. I would go from um, starving to uh, feasting and back again to starving. So I was on this, um, you know, I was trying to get rid of the calories that I was consuming but not through vomiting, which is the most uh, usual way a person with bulimia will deal with uh, calorie intake but I couldn't do that and it was actually a blessing in disguise because it made me face the chaos and the difficulty within me um, I could have stayed in a normal weight sort of body for a long time possibly if I'd been able to purge but I couldn't do that and, and over time you know um, I moved from a place of in the anorexia trying to be perfect and feeling so bound and so driven and so accused by this voice that would tell me that I did not deserve to take up space and that would just absolutely hammer, hammer me at every point about what a failure I was, how worthless I was, what a, what a uh, waste of space I was, what a burden I was on my family, on my friends. I, that voice was so destructive in my world. That is not a voice that comes from any good place. 
inside a person. It can start out as an internal critic, which many people experience, you know, that, that voice in your head that tells you that you need to be better or, or do this or that. that, that internal critic that grows out of the authority figures that we have um, known in our early life. And, and when self-esteem is low, we can really rely on that critic. But what happens in an eating disorder or disordered eating is you start to um, control food and body weight. And as you do that, that um, rigidity, that uh, black and white thinking, that legalistic thinking that you're good or bad, you're, you're on the plan or you're off the plan, you are successful or you have failed, you are worthwhile or you are worthless. And you know you can read about this in the Minnesota experiment that they did in the 1950s with uh, 36 physiologically and psychologically healthy men when they were put on a semi-starvation diet their thinking changed. So we know that when we start to deal with the pain of life by controlling food and body weight, when we do that, when we starve the body, semi-starve the body, we put ourselves into a pathway that creates this black and white rigid thinking. And it sets us up to view things in terms of good and bad, black and white, worthwhile, worthless, success, failure. And if you are not able to control the numbers, this is how my anorexia was, if you cannot control the numbers, which just represent your ability to control everything you think is bad about you, then you have failed. And if you fail, that voice wants you to uh, punish yourself, to destroy yourself. That was what that accusing voice was in my head when I was going through the anorexia. And I want to tell you that accusing voice is not the voice of God. It is not the voice of love. It is not the voice of nurture. It is a lie. It's a liar. It tells you a lie about yourself. You do not deserve to be destroyed. You do not deserve to um, punish yourself. You are a person trying to cope with your life the best way you know, and this is where you are right now. And I want to tell you, the God I've come to know wants to reach into your situation and bring light into darkness and bring hope into hopelessness and bring freedom into places that are captive and bound and I so resonate with all those spaces I've traveled through all those spaces in my eating disorder and I remember you know on the other you know when I had gone through the anorexia and I'd come out of hospital and I'd looked at my you know I hadn't gained weight this was back in the late 70s it was a time when you know there really wasn't the support or the understanding back then that I believe is there now um, certainly a lot more support than was back there in my day but I came out of hospital I had not gained weight I, I kind of talked myself into being better because I felt like a burden with a problem that wasn't going away I was 15 years of age and I really couldn't stand that sense of guilt plus I did feel like I had made some changes in hospital I did feel like I had started to hear some things some truth that I had never heard before and it had started to just shift my thinking a tad, a little bit. And that stuff was things like that I was not responsible for everybody else's feelings and problems. At, in the height of my anorexia, I absolutely believed I was responsible for everything bad that happened in my family. I felt at the end of the day, you could trace it all back to me. And if I could only get things right, I could save the day. But guess what? I couldn't do that. When I came out of hospital at the age of 15, after being in there for nine weeks, 
um, I realised, I looked at my family and I realised that I was no better. In fact, you know, I, I felt like if, I felt more of a failure than ever because I felt like I should have been better by now. I think my family expected me to be better by now and that's not their fault. They didn't understand. There wasn't a lot of understanding. There was no support for them or me in that period post-hospital and it was the most shocking period of my life and I started to um, eat and binge in a way that had not been present in the previous mm, two or three years and that was about this suppressed emotional hunger coming up and demanding to be satisfied in some way so there was an emotional component of my journey that needed to be addressed and was not and so as this hunger this natural emotional hunger came up in the binges and there was anger and there was confusion and there was hunger and there was desire to be accepted warts and all and as I was who could understand what my eating behavior was without someone to help um, Oh, decipher it, decipher the language that my eating disorder was. My family certainly didn't understand and they blamed me. So that just made that part of me that was accusing just, it gave it so much fuel and I started to hate myself. It was like while I was in the journey to try and prove that I was worthy by being good, perfect, anorexic, I felt like I had a chance. You know, I, I was still in the race. But I moved into a place after I came out of hospital where I waved the white flag and I said, no, nah, I have completely failed. My very best efforts to be the good girl, to take the burden off my family, to de-stress the situation, which was what I was in my own understanding trying to do. Long story, you can read about it in Illuminating Anorexia. Um, but I, I, I waved the white flag and thought, no, I have completely failed. I have completely failed and it was like the monster came up from under the lid and that monster was that accusing voice that said you now deserve to be destroyed and I moved into a place a period of such intense self-annihilation I I really think it is the grace of God that I survived that period it was shocking and I was eating to destroy and the voice that had been in my head saying don't eat exercise shifted into this awful eat don't exercise and punish yourself for your failure let everyone see what a hopeless failure disgusting person you are etc it, it, it's quite detailed I go into it in great detail in illuminating anorexia because I think it's really important to understand the dynamics the emotional dynamics the, what's going on in the thinking, the emotions, but also spiritually. And I've got to say, when we get on, on side this destructive voice, we are really doing the work of the enemy. We are really, it's not, you know, that's not, I don't say that in any way to um, blame or judge. This is what happens when we bow the knee to this lie that we do not deserve to take up space. We open the door to this spirit of fear that just drives us into and, and it's it's a it's a thing that is very destructive it is a destructive force and if you have experienced it you will know very well what I'm talking about um, what comes against that destruction and that fear is love it is perfect unconditional 
love, love that has no conditions. And the only person I have found that can actually give us that to a measure and at a depth that can heal our heart, healed my heart, is the God who is love. The God who is full of grace and truth. He gives us grace to get out of the bind that we're in. It's his grace that opens the prison door. It's his grace that gives light to us so that we can see what we could not see before. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we're trying to, you know, once grace comes in, it's like grace is the door opener. And once grace opens that door to our heart, and that is just the initiation of a good God. I honestly don't know how that happens, but it does happen. He is gracious. Before anything, he is loving and he is gracious. That's how he represents himself in the Bible as the God of love, that he is full of light and full of love, that there's no shadow of turning in him. He is altogether good. He is altogether loving and he is altogether powerful in that love. And when that grace opens the door, it then enables us, that grace then enables us to take hold of truth that we couldn't take hold of before, that we are worthy and deserving of life, of love, of nurture, of good things. You know, I think sometimes we're trying to get the truth, you know, and and tell ourselves things, including things like, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay as I am, and you know, that whole cognitive behavioral therapy uh, track, if you like, where we try and change our thinking. But it's grace that opens the door for us to take hold of that truth. And, you know, there is a truth also that as you take the truth and you meditate on it and you visualize it and you um, do what you can to believe it in your heart, that grace will also work in that situation to, m- to bring that truth to a place where it lands with substance in our heart. The Bible talks about the word becoming flesh. It's like that truth actually becomes substantial. But it is the grace of God. It's that grace that enables and opens the door for us to see, to actually take that initial step to freedom and then equips us, gives us the truth, the enabling grace to take hold of the truth that will then keep us free and keep us walking out of the bondage that we've been in. You know, there's a scripture that talks about making um, the lame feet, strengthening. Uh, I'd have to find it. Let me just see if I can find it. Yeah, it says um, in Hebrews, it says, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. And it's that truth that helps us. It's like um, a plumb line. It's like train tracks. It helps us to start to walk in a way that we get stronger and we get healed rather than continuing to limp around. So grace opens a door to truth and truth enables us 
to continue that journey. Grace and truth work together very much. There are, there are times we need more grace than truth. You know, truth will feel like it's um, too harsh and we can't receive it because we haven't got grace opening that door and assuring us of the love and the goodness of God towards us. His desire to bless our lives. So that grace continues to work with truth in this perfect measure that I think only the Holy Spirit can get the the right mix of at any moment. We all need grace and truth. You know, there's a a story in the Bible where, um, you know, this lady was caught in the act of adultery and this was uh, an offence in this age and culture that was um, punishable by stoning. And um, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, brought this woman to the feet of Jesus and they were looking to accuse her and to stone her you know that was that's what a religious spirit will do it's got the truth but it hasn't got grace and Jesus he just bent down and started to just draw in the sand and he said you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone and they couldn't do it because the truth cut to their heart and they realized man we've all got sin we're all we all fall short this is our story as human beings and so that religious spirit wanted to uh, condemn and punish that lady but that was not the heart or the attitude or the approach of Christ to her and he said you know you who are without sin you'd be the first to throw a stone they couldn't do it and they walked away and he looked down at this lady and he, he helped her up. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. And he helped her up. That's what grace does. It, it doesn't condemn. It opens a door and it reaches in and it pulls you up out of that place where you're stuck. And then it gives you truth. And, and that's what Jesus did. He just said, okay, go your way now and sin no more. In other words, do what you know in your heart is right. And you will get stronger and more blessed and more healed in your world. And so that grace reached into her situation, pulled her up where she could not get up and where religion would have accused her and condemned her and stoned her. It's such an amazing story. And it's a story of that grace and truth working together to free and to strengthen and bring into a place of greater and greater healing. And honestly, that has been the story of my life since meeting Christ at 24. Um, That has been the story of my life. That meeting grace, and that's what I met at 24 because I felt like, I just felt like such a failure. I felt like there was nothing in me. There was nothing I could do that could give my life value or worth because at that stage I was quite disabled with a back injury. And I felt like, you know I had nothing to give I had no value because I couldn't do anything that I thought gave me value and it was in that space where I felt so hopeless and so helpless and so without worth and value that Christ reached into my world through a person I met this guy down the beach and um, I was going to swim laps which was something I did at that point to try and keep my body as well as I could and I met this guy and he had a, a limp and he told me this story where he'd broken his neck when he was high on drugs and, and experimenting and he was 
in Buddhism and you know the whole nine yards and and I just thought oh look I'll listen to you because you've actually got like I had met Christians before then and I had just kind of written them off as you know I don't know religious do-gooders that I you know had a lemon in their mouth and I, I really wasn't interested in that because actually I'd grown up with religion and it hadn't helped me and so when he first mentioned me he said do you know do you know Jesus and I just went oh hello you're one of these people but I could see from his countenance that he just had something that I was so hungry for at that point in my life and it was a peace and I could see he was disabled he he limped he had a, a disability from his neck injury and so I thought oh you've got something that I so in my disability do not have I have no peace I have no hope I have no sense of worth or value and I can see that you do and so he started to share with me about Jesus and you know look honestly I was up to my eyeballs in all sorts of things at that stage metaphysics and uh, different philosophy and and uh, mysticism and different things and I didn't accept what he was saying but he just invited me to go along to this meeting and I went and it was in someone's home and I just remember them talking about a lot of things and I had a lot of questions and I just remember one of the guys there just said look you know just um just you know you've got the questions and he totally acknowledged that didn't try and you know talk me into something that he couldn't talk me into he just said just uh, he prayed for me which I actually really appreciated and just said um you know just have a read of this gospel and it was the gospel of John and all I know is that I read John fourteen six, where Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but through me and something happened in my heart when I read those words it's like it's like I got punched in the solar plexus like I got hit with something in my in the middle of me and it was like a light came on and all of a sudden I could see something I had not seen before because I'd been looking for God seriously I had been I just didn't know how to find him and I read the words of Jesus that he was the way and the truth and the life and that no one came to the Father but through him so that just turned on a light inside me and I felt hope come into my heart where there had been no hope and I guess the reason I'm saying this to you today I mean look my story is long and convoluted as you can probably hear I've you know gone a bit around the place which I tend to do because it is a long layered journey which is why I wrote a book about it because it's hard to contain it all in you know I I just move down one track and then you know get lost down a sidetrack but I wrote a book to actually pull the pieces together the emotional the the mental the the thinking the spirituality part of it all those dimensions the eating disorder how that looked where kind of disability came into the picture for me and how that really um, shaped my sense of self my worth and value and it was just a continuation of the eating disorder story really and the reason I'm sharing this today is because I just know that there are so many people who are feeling anxious and afraid and in this world of uncertainty feeling very insecure 
and that really reverberates in our heart and can make us very prone to using disordered eating behaviours to try and shore up a sense of security and control when that seems to be um, limited in our life. It makes sense. It really does. It's something we can do to seemingly feel better, but it doesn't work. It doesn't take us where we want to go. It actually creates a new problem, and that problem is a problem of disordered eating or an eating disorder. And as that problem develops, we get stuck in a land which I call bondage, where we can't see anything clearly, and we're, we're feeling driven and fearful, and often we move into places of real hopelessness and despair. And all I want to say is if you are out there in any of those spaces today, feeling hopeless, feeling despairing, feeling stuck, feeling bound, feeling like there's just no way out for you, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you, your situation is not hopeless. You are not without hope. There is an answer for you. His name is Jesus. I, he, really, he really has what you need and he may uh, use people that know him to speak into your world to help you to physically come alongside you and practically um, just help you and love you and care about you if they know him they will know that love without conditions and that's what we need when we're feeling beaten up and like we don't deserve to take up space we need to know that we are seen and known and loved and cared about. And God does see and know and love you today, wherever you are, whatever space you find yourself in. He can set you free. And he can give you grace to open that prison door and he can give you truth to help you start to walk without a limp, but to start to walk strong and to start to walk free. And that is a journey, that is such a journey. And that's, you know, part of what I do in the 4x4 Freedom Express. It's a journey. And it's just to give you some of the tools, some of the, some of the framework, the keys, the components that go to that journey. But it is a journey. It's not a walk in the park. You need grace and you need truth at every point. Grace that opens a door, that reaches down into those places we're bound. And truth that actually helps us take hold of something so that we can actually hang on to something that's firm and secure. We're not on shifting sand anymore. We're on solid rock. We start to build a life on a solid foundation of who we are, our worth, our value. I hope that this reaches into your situation where you are today. It may not be the message you expected from me, but honestly, I have nothing better and nothing more powerful to give you because he is he is the grace and truth he is the love he's a lover of your soul he's a shepherd of your heart he does see you he does care about you and his grace can reach into your situation today and he can bring people around you and you're welcome to reach out to me if this has touched your heart in any way you're welcome to reach out to me. Maybe I can connect you with some people in your, your area that, that know the Lord and um, can just walk alongside you as you get stronger to know his love, to know his grace, to know his truth. So, 
I know you need practical uh, keys and tools as well, but the first thing you need is to know that you are deserving of help, that you are worthy of life, that you are worthy of nurture and life and good things, that you do not need to be harassed and driven by that accusing voice that is so destructive, that you do not need to stay in a prison that is dark, that has no hope. There is hope for you, there is the breath of life for you, there is power to raise you up and take you forward. And it's in Christ and through him, through people he will bring into your world. And I pray that for you today, my friend, my nameless friend. I pray that for you today, that help is on its way. And I would just encourage you to reach out to the helper. The helper, his name is Jesus comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. He is the helper. He is the comforter. He is the one that can open the prison doors, that can raise up dead situations. So, until next time, travel well. Yeah.